I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening You're pinning words All like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Chris? Wakanda. Wakanda. You know how we do it, Murray. Come on now. Wakanda. (laughs) (laughs) On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. That was good. <laughs> so, a little disclaimer, Lisa Bolakaja is out again. Where is she at? Some, some con. You, see, you know, I don't even know where she is. I believe. Yeah, some, something with a con. She's is. tripping. <laughs> She's always at something. Um, so, of course, we got my man in the house, Chris Derrick. What's up, Chris? Not much, man. I'm just trying to recover from this cold. <laughs> it got you finally, uh, huh? I just, I hate, I hate the warm weather colds, but, um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm staying excited. I've seen mm-hmm. some interesting movies. That, mm-hmm. Oh, like everyone needs to see the Ruth Bader Ginsburg doc. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it opened this week. Uh, I saw it with Shane, and it's so good. All it's right. so. I, I think that we don't know enough <clears throat> about her, and you know, she came on in the middle of Clinton's thing. Mm-hmm. And she's this very. Was it in the theaters or something? In the theaters, yeah. Okay. She's very. She's you know she's. But I think that what what we don't know about her that the documentary brings up is so marvelous. It's kind of like some of the major major cases that in terms of like bringing equality <laughs> to women. Mm-hmm. She argued in front of the Supreme Court mm-hmm. in the seventies. Right. She was arguing, right? Like, you know, it's interesting right. to see. Like, I think her and um, Thurgood Marshall, mm-hmm. I think, are the few uh, justices who actually like argued the cases in front of the court before they got pointed to the court. Right. Um, I don't know. It's very. I mean, like her story is fascinating. Her story is fascinating in terms of stuff that she's done in terms of like. So, um, you know, it's, it's not the abortion stuff, but just in terms of like, you know, I mean, like some of the equal rights things in terms mm-hmm. of pay. And then she gets on the court and things like it's just you need to see it. And it's like she's like 85, I think. And she's mm-hmm. like working still sharp, still sharp mm-hmm. working out a lot. I mean, really? it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Trying to look like trying to look like cat over yeah, here. Yeah. I just was like, <laughs> what is going on? I mean, it's it's uh, it's 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 the craziest yeah. thing, too, is, you know, her best friend on the court was Antonin Scalia. You know, who was like her polar opposite in yeah. terms of like the beliefs and what is right. Mm-hmm. I just think that's interesting. That's what's up. Uh, so we got my man sitting in the house with us. So I was saying before we started, sometime we have a young writer come in and hang with us. We got my man Maurice Frazier in the house. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> what show are you working on? Um, Power. All right. we're, inter- we're prepping season six. Cool. So yeah, it's coming along. So you learning really? some shit? Learning a lot. Learning a lot this season. Um, I've been with the show since season three. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I was in New York for season three, four, mm-hmm. and Courtney Kemp gave me the opportunity to be the writer's PA. That's what's up. So I came out here last May, actually. So I've been out here for a year. Cool. Yeah. You're getting it in. Getting it in. That's yeah. what's up. That's what's up. So if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get into the show. So, Chris, you brought us a wonderful, beautiful guest here today. Yes. Let's, let's chop it yes. up. Yes. I brought in <laughs> Kat Kavari. She's a friend of mine from my writer's group. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I wanted to bring her in because she's a former mad scientist, which, which she'll tell you about. <laughs> and then she just said, I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I have to be a writer. Right. And I got to be an actress, too. And I think that from the time that I've known her, about two years now, mm-hmm. um, I've just seen like so much amazing stuff that she's done. Because mm-hmm. she's in, she was on, because she, she's on Insecure. Mm-hmm. She was on um, Pretty, not Pretty Little Liars, but Big Little Lies. Yeah, yeah Big Little Lies. Get those mm-hmm. two confused. Um, yeah, they're so close. Just the title. Just the title. Yeah, not the title. Not the show. That's very different. And she has just these, these just like, the stories and the scripts she brings into her writing group are so amazing. She mm-hmm. has one that I don't want to tell her, but I'm not sure if we can talk about it. Um, I'm not even sure if we can talk yeah, about so it. Yeah, so we won't talk, yeah, <laughs> we're not gonna talk about it. But it's really, really fascinating. Right. And um, and I was like, I, and and you also do the voice for Miss Marvel on um, the, the the cartoon. So mm-hmm. I was like, it'd be cool to bring her in to talk about her story, mm-hmm. how she got to L.A. She's from the Bay Area, um, and so that's why I was like, so let's bring her on. Let's right. talk. All right, that's what's up. What's up, Kat? Welcome to the hey, show. Hey, thanks How for having you? me. Thanks, uh, Chris, for all the really, really nice words. You just made me feel really great about myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm good. How are you doing? Excellent. Great. Excellent. Yeah. I'm tired, but I'm good. That's, you know, I'm yeah. tired every day. I don't know why. I'm still adjusting to this getting up early in the morning. I was telling Maurice earlier, it's just weird. I don't like it. What, have you started getting up early? Yeah, because I'm in the writer's room on this new show, so oh. it's like we're up... Uh, What's that mean to be there? I have to be there at 10, but... Oh, but, oh, but that's I'm for you. you two hours. Yeah. Yeah. I need, you know... Yeah. <laughs> it takes a while to be Pre- pretty. Mm-hmm. You know? It sure does. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's get into your story. So, where are you from? How do you got into the game? I was born and raised that's in enough. Oakland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever interrupt me when I'm talking about Oakland. Born and I'm raised in Oakland. Alto, oh, so are you? Oh, okay. So, mm-hmm. Born and raised in Oakland. Okay. Okay. Um, yes. Very proud. Uh, I only child of Iranian immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, always wanted to act. They were not in- interested in that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I used to tell my dad that I wanted him to be my manager because he's one of those people that like he can get something done if he really uh, if right, he really right. goes for you it. Go and I was like, oh, like I see potential in you, yeah. father. Like <laughs> you can do this for me. And he'd always be like, I'm not sending you into Hollywood with those sharks. You grow up, you grow up and get your own manager. And mm. I was like, fine. And so the deal was I had to get a degree in something completely different mm-hmm. and then I could do whatever I wanted. So I went to undergrad at Cal. I got a degree in public health, infectious disease control. Wow. Um, because That's a story. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I had seen the movie Outbreak when I was in mm-hmm. the sixth grade, mm-hmm. and then I became obsessed with um, that category of viruses, which are wow. viral hemorrhagic fevers. Right. And I was like, all right, well, I mean, I like viruses, so I guess I'll just, <laughs> I guess I'll just do this thing. I like <laughs> viruses. <laughs> I like big viruses you can't do it Yeah, and the gorier they were, the more interesting they seemed. So then I did that, and then while I was in undergrad, I, I took theater classes. I love them. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know, what are the chances that 
anything's going to come of that. Why don't I just continue on this path of whatever public health? So I immediately went into my master's program, which was in London, which was like the best year of my life. Why? Um, Because London's an amazing place Mm -hmm. and it's just like a great place to live. And it was the first time that I had lived away from home. Mm, that's what it's about. That was, yeah, that mm. was a big part of it. And I'd always wanted to live in London because I loved Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. And so when I was little, I was like, I'm going to live in London one day. <laughs> like Mary. Um, oh, quick, quick, quick. Yeah. So are you interested in, in, um, in the remake? I am, actually. I am very interested. And also, I love Emily Blunt. Oh, yeah. She's I amazing. feel like she'd be a perfect, because she's got that, like, kind of... I don't know about that that know, part, but going against <laughs> oh yeah, Lin Manuel. <laughs> Someone else can sing. Yeah, over right, her. Right, right. <laughs> Nobody will ever know. Um, and then yeah, so it was the best year of my life. But I my school was right next to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, oh. and so my bus would go by there every day. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, "What am I doing with my life?" Mm-hmm. And then um, I came home and I decided that I was just going to work in public health and take whatever classes I needed to after work. And so I did that. I took classes at Berkeley Rep. Berkeley, I took I've classes. done places, plays at Berkeley Rep. That's a great theater. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. It is a great theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took classes at a bunch of different places in San mm-hmm. Francisco, and I just did that after work. Yeah. And then at some point, my husband was just like, all right, let's quit our jobs and go traveling. And I was like, well, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. Um, but, then, but then they put me in a cubicle. At work, hmm. and I, I don't do well with cubicles. <laughs> Little Miss Claustrophobic over there. <laughs> <laughs> we went from like this really great open seating plan where there was like windows. I had a view of downtown Oakland right in right, front of my right, desk, right. and I was like, "This is great." We were all talking to each other, mm-hmm. and then suddenly they put us in cubicles. They didn't ask us if we were okay with being oh, in now cubicles. You can't even see nobody. I can't like... see. They put us in a different office. We had fluorescent lighting, oh, and I was like, "This is preposterous." <laughs> I brought in like a, a canopy. You know those um, leaf canopies that you can find at Ikea for in the children's section. Right, right. I brought that in and put it over my cubicle. Yes, um, and I was like, say something. Say something. <laughs> Nobody said anything. Nobody said Nobody anything. Said anything. <laughs> if anything, but, they came around and be like, that's a lovely leaf you have leaf. over your desk. And I'm like, yes, it is. It is lovely. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then <laughs> three months later, I quit. Mm. Uh, and then we went traveling. And I knew that I was going to end up in L.A. eventually for what I wanted to do. So we went to New York first. I had friends in New York that were... To live or just to To go? live for a couple of years. No, no, no. Well, after we went, we went traveling around different places around, around other countries. Mm-hmm. And then we came back and then we moved to New York. Okay. So I moved to New York. I was there for like two and a half years just trying to do theater stuff, as mm-hmm. much theater mm-hmm. stuff as I could get into. And I wasn't even planning on necessarily being a writer. I, I, I was just trying to break into acting. And people kept saying, like, you need to write, you need to write. Mm-hmm. You should write. Everyone's writing now. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, God, like... It's already hard enough trying to become an actor. Like, do I really need to start writing? Like, I don't... And yep. I had done... You need to be your own boss, girl. <laughs> well, yes, now I see. <laughs> Fast forward, I'm like, everybody needs to write. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, at the time... And I had written, like, for, for school papers before, but I was never, like, a creative writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept hitting walls with my with my agents and my managers and stuff and they kept sending me out for roles that I hated uh, and it was just and I, I at the same time I was doing a play that I loved where I was playing two different characters um, you love that don't you oh I love it I love anything where I can bring challenge right. all the personalities um, and then when that play was over I started writing 
that short, short where I played like a bunch of different characters that mm-hmm. people would never cast me as because right. they were different accents and yeah. I was like no one's gonna so I'm gonna do it for myself mm-hmm. so I spent like I don't know four months first I was just gonna shoot it on my iPhone and then my friend Kalia Neal who's a producer was like no you can't do that make it look good <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> I was like alright so then I moved to LA at the end of that year end of 2013 I had friends here I shot that short where I played a bunch of different characters mm-hmm. I released it online I spent like two days sending it out to 150 different managers Mm. and um, to a bunch of different blogs uh, trying to get it to go viral Mm -hmm. a few of them bit it went Mm semi-viral and then um, I got a bunch of great meetings with managers Mm. and I got signed as lit first Oh, really? Uh huh. And then later, six months later, because it was the middle of pilot season, mm-hmm. it was actually the beginning of pilot season. So at the end of pilot season, they um, introduced me to their talent side, and then I, and then I was with their talent side. Mm-hmm. So then that was, and then that was that. See what I love about this. Chris and I talk about this all the time. <clears throat> Everybody's journey is different. Mm-hmm. Everybody, there's not one person you're going to talk to, and they did exact same thing. Even if you decided I'm going to go to college, you know that route. By the time you get out and get in and you finally break in, it's, a, it's not the same. Yeah, and I think you know? that's like, on, some, on, on one level, I think that can be frustrating for people because yeah. it's like there is no clear, ne- there's no necessary, no necessary clear path to right. get to where you want to go. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's very freeing because you're just like, just because my path looks different than this other person's doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I'm not going to attain success yeah. the way they will. So, Yeah, I think what's interesting about that is, is that <clears throat> people look at, People, people are looking for models mm-hmm. to follow. And so they think that, oh, th- this is what so-and-so did. That's what I need to do. And if it doesn't work out for you, then it makes you frustrating. Because right. at the same time, they're also kind of uh, trying to do that thing you should never do is kind of compare your journey to someone else's journey. And, Which and, is very hard not to do. Mm-hmm. Very hard not yeah. to do. And if, but when you, but and, and I mean, and, and we're all guilty of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it causes this level of like despair yeah. and frustration <laughs> that you just kind of have to fight against. But see, the thing, but the ultimate kind of model of what that is in terms of what you did and what other people do is. Mm-hmm. You made something creative that no one else could do. You did it really well, and you knew how to properly market it and felt confident in yourself. That's the only thing that you can say that's what you got to do. It doesn't matter what that you do, because for you it was this short. For someone it could be something that they wrote, or someone else it could be something that they directed, or for whatever it is, but you have to be that committed to what you're doing. I have a question. So, hold on before you do. Oh. Did you say what the short is called? So oh, it's know? called Brain of Terror. Brain of that's right. Mm-hmm. Brain of Terror. So Kalia is Chuck's wife, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Her writing partner. She writes. Yeah, my show. writing partner mm-hmm. Chuck. I met through my best friend, one of my best friends, Kalia, that I went to high school with, and then she lived in New York at the same time. Well, I moved there because she, partly because she was living there too, and then uh, her, m- me, and her husband started. Well, the three of us started a web series together in New York. And then he wrote, I acted in it, she um, produced it, and then our other friend Taliba was the director. And uh, that was called Famous Farah. And that one did, that one did okay. Uh, we, we then brought it here and tried to develop it. We got something with Warner Brothers, but then it fell through with, mm-hmm. for their digital arm. But um, it was a good thing that that fell through because then another, pro- 
embrace is the one that came after that. Um, so bad things happen for a reason. But see, I guess. that's what it's all about, though. It's it's. I was I was. Um, we just we just recorded the hundredth episode for the Writers Guild podcast. So we were talking about like what our favorite episode. They were trying to copy off our thing. <laughs> we were talking about our favorite episodes or whatever. So I was talking about the one like very early on with Issa Rae and um, and Amy that they did, and um, and there's a theme that I love that I have on my show, and we all have embraced it. Is don't. Like, well, you're doing very well. Like, a lot of people, you know, just come in and go, oh, I moved to L.A., I got an agent, and then I got on the show. I'm like, motherfucker, how? <laughs> you know what I mean? So what I loved about that particular one, Issa was talking about how hard it was and how she went to the store to go get some coffee, didn't even have enough money to get her coffee, and was literally trying to bribe the lady into <laughs> giving her, and I was like, see, I love that shit. You know what I mean? When it's hard and it's not easy, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody only, see, only sees uh, the yep. success. Mm-hmm. They didn't realize all the years and the 10 other fucking web series you made mm-hmm. before that one made it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So or like, the hundreds of <clears throat> auditions that you've gone on right. that they, at the end of it, they're like, you did wonderfully. Right. And you're like, why the fuck didn't I get it then? <laughs> I started tallying all my auditions, which might not be a good idea because I look back and I'm like, motherfucker. Right, right, right. But um, <laughs> I still keep track of it just for the future memoir that I'm going to write about failure. Um, but no, I mean, it's true. I think, and that's, that's the hard part, is that people think that if they haven't <clears throat> gotten a certain level of success by a certain time, then that's yeah. that. And it's just, there's so much perseverance that goes right. into it, and there's so much, and there, what you were saying, there really is a lot of, like, you have to believe in, you have to love what you do and believe in yourself more than anyone else, because right. you have to find people that are going to be on your team that believe in you as much as you do. And confidence in yourself goes a long way. I mean, we see who's president right now, and I think a lot of that was because... Right. People are know, attracted to that confidence. People are. People I are totally like, agree with you. Cool, you can do, yes. you can do that? Great. It's right. like, no, you actually can't fucking do that, but here you are. <laughs> but, you know, and I think that that goes, that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about... Sorry to interrupt you, Chris. I was just thinking about how you were talking about, like, tallying all of, all of your auditions and things and I'm wondering now that you're producing on the other side and you've actually sat in castings I bet you you see things differently because Absolutely. I know having sat in almost 300 something casting sessions now as a producer that I'm sitting there going yeah you didn't get the part not because you weren't good Absolutely. and here's the cool thing I'm always telling actors we don't fucking forget how many times have we done something you like mm-hmm. there's that there's, that there's one that girl mm-hmm. there's that well, you no, know what look, I mean look, look, right. it, it happened with the architects when we chose the girl who wasn't Anna right and then there was, you know there's um, Australian girl Australian girl yeah. and then she couldn't make it from uh, conflicts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the, the minute she called and said, I can't do it, we were like, the other girl. The other girl that we... Because at the time, we were <clears> fighting. <throat> mm-hmm. Not fighting, fighting, but we were just like battling. Mm-hmm. Oh, who do we choose? Who do we choose? Who do we choose? Who do we choose? And then the, thing, the cool thing was the woman who backed out and then the replacement girl was actually... She had these, this skill set that we didn't right. know. Mm. Like she, the parkour done, thing. she did parkour. Right. She did parkour. Right. And, and we were like, oh, 
now we can kind of rewrite right. part of this scene mm-hmm. to, right. to take take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. You don't really like I, we when we cast for our web series, and now I'm casting for things all the time. That was the first time that I was like, oh no, you can be good and just not be the character. Right. right. Like, that's oh it. no, that person's good. They're just not the character. Right. That's just and that's that's what's so freeing. That's why I still right. go on auditions because mm-hmm. I'm like, I know I felt good after something, right. but I just wasn't what they had in mind. Right. And then there were times where we were like, us the the creators were split. It's like, no, this person definitely right. for that one. Like, no, the other person right. definitely. And it's just like, it is very subjective. It is what you have in your mm-hmm. head. And sometimes that person's just not the and, character. And to me, that's the important thing for actors to remember <clears throat> is, is I can't say it's the same thing as a writer because the subjectiveness of that goes different ways. Like, you may not like the way somebody comes in on a scene, so that bothers you. Somebody doesn't like mm-hmm. exclamation points. It's like stupid reasons why. Right. They might be petty. Right. Yep. right. You know? Whereas I can get past you being a really good actor and just not the right person for it. But, but where I was going with that was you have to get to a point to where when you go on an audition, that, and I'm a former actor, so I totally re- relate to this, to where what I started doing, when I was working the most is when I stopped, mm-hmm. believe it or not. And what I would do is I'd go to the audition and I would perform like I was doing theater. That was my thing. I come from theater, so I was like, I'm going to do this big mm-hmm. no matter what. So they always, 99%, say, can you bring it down a little mm-hmm. bit? I've already practiced adjusting it. So now they see that I can adjust, and they go, oh, he's easy to work mm-hmm. with. I'm like, bitch, I practiced that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what I was doing. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that was my little trick that I did mm-hmm. intentionally, because how many Smart. times have you been in an audition, you only get to do it once oh, and yeah. you walk out the door? For sure. I almost always got to do mm-hmm. it twice. You That's know? amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and actually, Issa... When we started our, uh, she called her Issa like that's her cousin. Look at <laughs> you know Issa, uh-huh. my well, best you friend. Issa. Her, you know, one time you went to her birthday party and I was kind of crazy and got drunk. Yes, I did get an invite to her birthday party. I was very excited about it. I was like, ah! I got it on New Year's Eve and I was like, oh my god, I got an invite to Issa's birthday. And then I was gonna like respond and RSVP immediately, and I was like, no, 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 it's New Year's Eve. Right. Look like you have better things to do. <laughs> And so I responded at like twelve thirty. I was like, "No, it's enough times passed." <laughs> she <laughs> it's the new year. <laughs> but what I was going to say about that was when we started Famous Farah as the, the web series, our model had been Awkward Black Girl, and we we're like, "Okay, this thing has been really, really successful. Right. Like, let's try to do something similar." And we actually <laughs> had we had reached out to Awkward Black Girl and had run ads of Famous Farah on Awkward Black Girl's um, uh, newsletter that they would oh, send yeah, yeah. out. Um, that was like back in like 20, uh, 2012, I think, or mm-hmm. 2011. It was a while ago. Mm-hmm. And then the only reason I had ever gotten on Insecure was because I had seen, I'd, I'd been following Issa, obviously. I was like stalking her because of... Because <laughs> you of, and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Right. Um, and I had seen that she reposted Brain of Terror on Google+. Oh, really? And I was like, oh my God, he's already reposted Brain of Terror. <laughs> and I reached out to my, and it was, I had just signed with my managers too when I had just moved here. And I was mm-hmm. like, Issa Rae just reposted it. I want a meeting with her. Yeah, that's and smart. so, and so they reached out to her. I sat down and had a meeting with her. I mm-hmm. stayed in touch with her. And then we, me and my writing partner, Chuck, wrote a, wrote a pilot. We wanted her to come to the table read. Mm-hmm. And so I texted her. I was like, hey, do you think you could come to this table read? And she was like, sure. Um, do you want to be in my HBO pilot? <laughs> and I was like, yes. Uh, she's like, there's no speaking role in the pilot, but if, if it gets picked up, we can, like, you know, get a few lines in there for you. I was like, yes, absolutely, yes, for right. sure, yes, definitely, yes. And so that's, but it was all because I had been I stalking it. her. <laughs> yeah. That's good, that's good. 
Have you uh, have you been back? Are you on season three at all? I am on season three. Good yes, for you. yes. See? very exciting. That's how it works. That's how life, life yeah. works. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Because we've had. Um, I'm going blank on his name. Wade. Wade. Yeah, we've had Wade oh, yeah. on the show. Mm-hmm. He's a good. He's a good dude. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that's funny. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, so what, what's what's what else is going on with you? Um, so, you doing web series right now, also on your side? Uh, no, that one's done right mm-hmm. now. My uh, my writing partner Chuck and I are writing this show called Embrace. Mm-hmm. That we well, we've written the pilot. We're developing it with uh, Refinery Twenty Nine. Refinery Twenty Nine came on as the as the production company. Good. So um, half hour, hour, half hour, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like. Drama com dramedy, I guess. That's the shit that's going on. Yeah, that's what I watch. I'm not. I mean, I, there's a few comedies I like, but I like to have a little bit more meat Heart. to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, it's about a. Really, it's kind of semi autobiographical. Okay. Iranian girl in Oakland, with Oakland as like a big character. Good. Because it, it is a it is a, it is a big character. It is a, a character. huge yeah. character. Dress me, because um, you don't see enough things up there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I only, you know what? I think there's only one. Let's see. I think I've seen three shows up there, maybe in like the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So there was that Murder in the First was there. Oh, was that there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> and then there was that show with Sarah Shahi where she played the um, arbitrator or something like that. So it was maybe mm-hmm. like, on USA? On USA. Like maybe, was that in Oakland? Yeah. No, I didn't it was know. San Francisco. San Francisco. Oh, okay, okay. San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But then there was a really, really great show. Uh, the guy who... Gets, who wrote Superfly in Superfly. Oh, right, yeah. He did this show called Sucker Free City. Oh, that sounds familiar. That uh, the Spike Lee directed right. for Showtime. And mm-hmm. that's, that'd be 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But that was like all over the Bay. Right. And that was like an amazing mm-hmm. look at and like gangs and like gangs mm-hmm. and the street culture and urban life right. in an interesting way. And I just was like really, really interested. That was a TV show? Yeah, well, it was supposed to be a series. Hmm. And then for something happened, and they only did like four episodes, five episodes, and then they released it as like two two hour movies or three two hour movies. I wonder if like that's that. like on YouTube or some shit. I, you know what? I, uh, I have no idea. It was one of the coolest things that is to me is one of the coolest things that Spike has done in television. Because see, for a while he was shooting a lot of pilots. Mm-hmm. I think like that that was one of the ones that went. But it was interesting just because it was like. Um, it was about a white guy, an Asian guy, and a black guy, and it's just interesting to see, and you know, and 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 just their different worlds in that environment. And I think it's it's and it's such a um, it's still a fresh environment for us to see because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a different way of looking at the intersection of those uh, different cultures than say in New York or say in Los Angeles or just any place, you know, and. Um, I mean, that's the thing that I thought was really fascinating, like in your pilot, those people that you uh, introduced, like who, I, who's the guy who's like the um, who works for the the PG&E? Yeah, PG&E, yeah, yeah. He's it's this character that is based on someone you actually know. Yeah, one of my friends. And is uh, it was just like I think the way you guys wrote it, it was so interesting. It was such a character that I had never seen before, and it, and it, and I and there's a few people that I know from the Bay Area. And he just felt like a great embodiment of like of a character from up there, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that I feel like um, there's not enough of. There's not enough of, of of those kind of different pockets of you know like these these semi-urban environments because it's not because you know 
because Los Angeles and San Francisco and Oakland, mm-hmm. they're urban, but they're not like Detroit or you know Brooklyn kind of urban shit. Well, they're not know? sprawling. I think that's yeah. probably like San Francisco is like seven miles wide, seven miles longer, so it's like tiny. Yeah. So Oakland isn't very big either, Mm-mm. and Palo Alto is like. 12 blocks, 12 blocks. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like tiny. Yeah. <laughs> you know and that, that, I think that's because that's what I see. I mean, L.A. is very diverse, but there it doesn't feel as integrated as the Bay does. Right. And I think a lot of that is just the geography of right. it is that every everyone is there's only certain places everyone goes mm-hmm. and those are only so big. Whereas places like L.A., it's huge. huge. And so everyone can be in their neighborhood right. and, you know, stay in their pocket, right. which you know, I didn't notice. You mean that we have to much. go east of La Brea? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's hard getting in the car. I'm like, oh gosh, I gotta drive. Um, but yeah, and that's. I think I didn't. I didn't realize how great how great it was until I left the Bay, and I was just mm. like, oh, this is a very unique, interesting, cool place that mm. um, the rest of America could learn from. Well, I used to live in San Francisco, and I actually mm-hmm. never liked living there. Mm. I liked going to the city. Mm-hmm. You know, I lived there for like the last six, seven years before I moved here in '96, the early eight, early '90s, all the way mm-hmm. up. And so, for me, it was always like it, it, you get like island fever, if you will, mm. where you're just. And I had a car, I had scooters, and everything. I had like never would leave the city. You know, my parents lived down in, in the Bay. You know, I still yeah. would always be stuck in the city. I go see them like once every six months or something. You know, it's just, well, even it's from weird. Oakland to Berk- I mean, Oakland to San Francisco, like that's mm-hmm. something that if, if there was an event that was in San Francisco, it's just like, oh man, we gotta right. go to we gotta the go city. to take the bar. Like, go. <laughs> right. I don't want to do that. Like mm-hmm. there, and it's colder there. Yes. It's foggier. Like there's no parking. Like Nothing. why would I go there? Mm-hmm. So most of the time, we find a way of getting out of right. those events. Right. But yeah. Now, where did you live in Brooklyn? I mean, in, in New York. Uh, I lived in Chelsea in New York. Oh. Where were you at? I lived in the Bronx. In the Bronx? Yeah, I have a, fam- a family house in the Bronx. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Really up there, like northeast. Um, you okay. sneeze and you sneeze and you're in Westchester. No. So, but it's still the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. All right. Cool. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is something that like, I want to talk to people about because I feel it's kind of important. It's like... How do you stay motivated in terms of writing, in terms of like, because um, I think that a lot of people get discouraged, particularly at, at this time of year, because mm-hmm. they're not on a show, right. they didn't get cast in a show, right. things like that. So I want to talk with you about like, how do you stay motivated in terms of like being an actress and being a writer? Um, that's a good question. I mean, there's definitely like a lot of times where I just don't want to do anything. And sometimes I'll just indulge in those times. I think it's, for me at least, important to um, take care of my mental health. And if there's a, a, a moment or a, you know, a week or whatever, two weeks, where I'm just like, I need a break, I make vacations a priority in my life. Like, I make sure I go on a trip, I get out of the city. Can you help me with that? I don't <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, so necessary for me to be mm-hmm. able to have a change of pace because... Um, it, it can just, and that's with anywhere in in any industry that I was. I, I need that change of environment, and so I make sure that once a year at least I I get out and I completely disconnect. Mm. I don't do anything. I barely even re- respond to emails. Mm. I just don't do it, and I find that at the end of that. I'm ready to come back. I'm like ready. I have the energy. I want to do it. I can't wait to do it. 
Um, and I, I'm not burnt out anymore. So listening to the burnout, but also not overindulging in the burnout to the point where I'm like not doing anything. Right. I think uh, for me, a fear of, well, really, the haters do motivate me. <laughs> There's a lot of like me just being like, I'm going to prove them wrong. And I think that actually is a huge, that's gotten me really far in life, is just trying to prove, prove people who, I mean, you know, when you make a, a transition from public health or the sciences into acting, mm-hmm. when someone tells you they're going to do that, <clears throat> And understandably so, you're going to be like, okay, well, yeah. good luck with that. <laughs> and I know, even if people never said that to my face, I'm, I know they were thinking that. And so a lot of what motivates me is to show them that I can if I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just like I really can't... Uh, I, the, fear of, the fear of failure motivates me too and not, not getting... And I think also as a woman, I, and this is terrible but as a woman I feel like there's a um, a bit of an expiration date on me especially as an actor not not that I sense it I think I can go on forever but the industry does and so that is also motivating for me to not stop because I'm just like oh god before things start going <coughs> south on my body because <laughs> I'm not trying to get hella work done either so <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Because you know what? Um, who's this woman? And you know this woman. She's in The Expanse. She's Iranian. She's in the what? She's in the show The Expanse. She's Iranian. She's a really deep voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's someone who I kind of remember didn't really make a splash mm-hmm. in <clears throat> Hollywood, like. America until she did an episode of, no, I think she was in House of Santa Fog, yeah. which uh, not a lot of people saw, but it's an amazing movie. Right. And then she was on 24, like maybe like a year or two later. And I just think it's interesting that she has a career where she came in kind of late. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I'm sure she had a career like overseas, like like longer. I grew up with her because um, we watched a lot of Persian TV growing up on the public access channels, and she. Her husband, if I'm not mistaken, was a playwright, hmm. and would be, and she would be in all of his plays, and he also acted. And so I grew up with them always having shows. And I don't remember if I went to any of them, but they always had they always had plays mm-hmm. around in in California, and I think probably in Canada too. But yeah, she was doing that a lot. So when she did make that transition into film and TV, the community was very excited. Right. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's great to see. Because I know that, that's somebody that that Lisa is always talking about. She loves that 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 character. Yeah, yeah. There, so. Because she gives a, a um, you know, it's this thing I was I was saying in my in the that the essay I wrote for the Warner Brothers thing. It's like someone who's part of the other. When you add them to a project, they bring this. There's a tinge of it that you can't quite put your hand on, mm-hmm. but it makes it so interesting and more compelling right. in a way that I um, I think we should see more of, you know? I think you're right. We, we talk about that in the writer's room about how <clears throat> one character could be viewing something from one point of view, but another character who might be a person of color would view it completely different, even though they're standing in the exact same place to them. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? The way you enter the door, the way you come into a room, fuck it, I'm going to say it. White folks walk in like, this is my room. <laughs> and we walk in and go, is it okay to feel like it's all my room? <laughs> you know what I mean? You have a little hesitation and you go, oh yeah, okay, I can, I can chill, I'm going to take it easy, then I'll slowly... Slide in. Yeah, you don't just stomp in the door. Mm-hmm. You, know well, I mean? you know, it's funny, yesterday I was at... Um, Cinegear with Alex, right? right, right. And uh, we're looking at some of these light fixtures and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, yeah. And the guy was like doing a demonstration. And, um, you know, the these it's like these LED lights that you can control the color temperature and all this kind of stuff like that. And the guy, he immediately puts it on like... Um, it's like rainbow is the first thing, and then you go, there's rainbow, <laughs> and then it does, you know, the police flashing lights. No. And I was like, wait, 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 you don't need to show the police lights to me. I don't need to see that. I know what that looks like. And it's like, it's kind of like a weird trigger. And he was like, what do you mean? And he, he said, what do you mean? Huh. The white guy. And I was like, that's so weird for you to think that right. it's just, oh, it's a cool feature for you, right. but it has a different... Totally. Uh, it, it, the impact is right. different on us. Well, also, um, you think about language, too. Remember Arrival? Did you, did you mm-hmm. see yes, like, yes, you know, how language also informs how you right. perceive the world, and, and you've got someone in there who might be bilingual coming, and just... I never thought about how language can, can change how you see the world. And sometimes right. I wonder, like, knowing certain words and you know there's certain words in farsi that you don't have in english or certain words in english mm-hmm. that you don't have in farsi and they're like you know whatever cultures that don't have this could be a myth but there was somewhere that did, didn't have the word like failure in there hmm. in their uh language really? it's like so oh, it's like how right. does that then shape you know how you go forth I, you, you know what i, I want to say i could be wrong but i want to say this russian there's like, there's I like, there's like no, like, <laughs> there's something like that. There's a word that's like that you go, well, wait, you, but your literature is so like, it's so dark, it's so rife with that. Yeah. Right, but right. you don't have, but but you don't have that word, and it's like, huh. no. The, I think my friend was telling me, I, I might be wrong with this, but I think she was like, my friend's mom. She was like, oh no, that's just, it's just being Russian. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just like we don't need a word. Yeah, we, we don't just, need a word. Just, we us. just have a little that's toast. That's just us. I was wow. like, damn, that's crazy. Um, no, that's interesting you bring, that you bring that up about arrival and about um, translations and words and things. I, I know there's a, uh, uh, there's a like, there's, like one of my favorite authors is this guy named um, Umberto Eco. He's Italian, and his famous, famous book was The Name of the Rose. Uh, but he's really a, he's not really an author. It's, not, it's like his second job. He's a, um, <clears throat> he's a professor of semiotics, which is the study of signs and symbols. And he had this really interesting line where he was like saying that in Italian, the 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 word traitor and translator is only separated by like one like character, because he was like it's such it's so easy to destroy something by how you translate it. And I was like, that's so. And there was that part in Arrival about how she got the job because she said, ask the other guy. What this phrase means in this, in this like, I think it was Persian or maybe in Arabic or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, and this guy Berkeley, and then Forrest Whitaker went and uh, um, talked with the guy off, off camera, and he shows up at her house, and he's like, here's the answer. Mm-hmm. And it was like this answer that felt more like, it was felt like more warlike. She's like, no, that's not really what it is. It's really this. Mm. And he was like, I need you because you know there's nuance 
that I need for this situation. And which, I, which was smart because that was early in the movie and it showed you what she could do. Yeah. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. always show what your character's abilities are, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So that's smart. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, okay, so here's the thing, too, that, that I'm going to ask you in terms of, like, this is what I think a lot of actors... Just you were talking about like people telling you that you got a right to get on your stuff and things like that, and and like one of the things that I've noticed with the material that you do, and particularly because what we do in our writing script is like we just bring like fifteen pages mm-hmm. and then we read it out loud, okay. you know, so you can hear it. The group you know? as a group, yeah, the group okay. reads it, and a lot of times the material that like you bring in or that you're going to read as a character, that you come in as an actor and you add this kind of there's an energy you add to the material. I'm just wondering when you're writing stuff that you know is for like for this like this is stuff that Kat's gonna star in. Like, how do you approach that as a writer, knowing that I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna bring this to life? Because I feel like there's a lot of people who can get their career going in a faster way, or maybe in a way that feels more tangible to them by doing what you did, like, like the writing and directing, and in terms of like writing to your strengths, you know? Um, that's a good question. I think, so I think what I've learned is that like, early on when I was, when I had signed with my manager and was like, okay, start writing, it was all, I was always trying to fit into um, a mold as a writer. And for me, that just doesn't work. There are writers that are able to change, you know, alter their their voices in different ways depending on what project they're on. But because I'm more of like on the writing for myself side, um, I just try to bring as much as uh, my, I mean, for lack of a better thing, quirks into it. And the quirks of the characters that, I'm very like character heavy and character focused. So usually it's about characters and then I build I build it around the the characters, and for each character, a lot of my characters are based on you know people that I've met or people that I've seen or I take elements from from real people. And uh, I think for me, being very close to who that person is, the, the what makes them unique and and their quirk, and for whatever character that I want to play, it's like, well, what do, what do I want to, what do I want to play this time? How do I want to, as an actor, what is it that I want to, that I want to play with? Because really, it is playing for me and it's fun for me. And so it's like, what am I going to have the most fun with too? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just build it out from there. It's and then a lot of times it's also I think what makes me want to, what what motivates me to write a certain story, it usually is bred out of some sort of like frustration or anger. Or there, there's always something where it's like, ah, oh, I just need to get this out there. Like, this needs to be, people need to understand this thing. And so anytime I'm motivated to write, it usually comes from that place. So I wait sometimes to see what it is that's, like, nagging at me. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then take it from there. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. I'll just, go ahead. No, no, no. Well, okay, so that's, that's interesting because uh, a lot of times... I have these ideas that come up that I want to approach. It's like there's always some sociopolitical idea that's popping into my head. I'm thinking, how do I write this as as a 
And it's kind of diff- it's interesting because it's like it's, I struggle with those like those big ideas like that in terms of like coming at it from a character point of view. Because it's like the idea that I like the like the you know the script I'm writing about the debt collectors, right? Mm-hmm. You, I mean, like that is just a big idea, and I was like, okay, I like I'm, I'm something I want to say because I mm-hmm. see this issue and I see it like like percolating in the in the in the country and how mm-hmm. it's affecting everyone, and, and and there's nothing that people are doing about to change their situation or to even be aware that their future is in serious jeopardy, mm-hmm. and then to turn it around and say. Who are the people who are marching through this world to explain it to us? You know, but I. But sometimes I think it's because I'm. You know, I. I see, that's why I asked you this question because it's like I'm not playing any of those characters. You know, and, and there's no intention for me to play any of those characters. But so that's why I was asking about like how do you approach it? Because I feel like one of the things that makes people's work stand out, and particularly for. We know we were talking about this one time, um, staffing and like how do people write something, and in that first ten pages they got to get you, and a lot of times it's like what's the character mm-hmm. that is gonna like uh, bounce off the page for the you know for the reader because these showrunners uh, might necessarily like want someone who's really good at like building worlds because they've built the world for the show. You know, they might need some additional help with that, but that's kind of, I mean, if that's what they've done, that's kind of their strength, you know? So that's kind of why I, 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 I was bringing that up, because I was at this lunch on Friday with Virgil Williams, you know, who just took the quarter of Mudbound, and there was uh, someone there who was talking about how she is just trying to, like, move to the position where, I think, like, where you are now. So I, I, I think it's what she wants. She wants to be able to write and be on a show as an actress, because she's been acting for like 10, 11 years, and she's writing. Who, who is it? Uh, Tiffany Black. Oh, you know Tiffany, Tiffany? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and so, and so I just feel like, I think that, you know, like she's probably a good actress. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because I haven't seen any of her work, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm just, I just, I well, saw she's, She did the black scene, and um, some stuff. She's, she's been around. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. was she in the one that we just saw, the, the recent one? Was yeah. she in it? She's okay, I don't, I don't necessarily remember it off- my off offhand, but I just kind of feel like she's done. I mean, like she's frustrated because of where she is in terms of, and and I think that what you've done is what she wants to be. You know, because it's like she, you know, because like you're working on the show with Issa, you're working on the other show, you're working on the Miss Marvel. How did you get the Miss Marvel job? I just auditioned for that one. Okay, it was just like a simple, just regular voiceover. I asked for voiceover agents, and my managers sent me up with. Uh, meeting with voiceover agents and then I auditioned for them and then that's how I got them but then after that it was just for Ms. Marvel I just auditioned for it that was it um, but yeah I think a lot of actors and I could just be saying this from my perspective I think because we're so used to we're always looking at dialogue and seeing how easy it is for us to say something how natural it feels if it makes sense and I think a lot of actors their uh, strengths in writing end up being dialogue and for me, that's my favorite part of writing, and I think that's my strength. That's why Chuck is so... I think Chuck's really good at structure with me. Like, I, I kind of, like, lose structure. And I'm like, yeah, well, this is the scene, and this is what we're going to do. It's like, okay, well, what comes before, what comes after, then how are we going to move forward? Mm-hmm. But that's the thing that I'm always looking forward to uh, writing, and that's the thing that I think I'm better at than the rest of the writing is, is just, like, 
the meat of the the, the scene, the, the dialogue in the scene, because I know what's going to sound good for me to say as an actor. And usually, when I'm writing for other uh, characters, I'm I speak out loud. That's what. So I look like a lunatic when I'm writing because there's a lot of me just no, talking back back and forth. That's what I was going to say. Is yeah. <clears throat> I mean, people always ask me, "Well, don't you miss?" <clears throat> don't you miss acting? I haven't acted in like 20 years now, and I'm like, I don't miss it at all because I do it every day. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm writing, I'm yeah. actually playing the characters. I'm really visualizing myself in the role when I do it. You know, what would maybe be the most interesting turn here? You know, how would I react to that if they slap totally. me? Would I slap them back? Would I? I'm like, literally, totally. You're you know in I mean? the you're in the characters. Right. You're right. trying to be the character mm-hmm. too, and I think and rhythm, rhythm. Yeah. Is, that's that's the thing about dialogue is mm-hmm. rhythm, and that's what I'm always looking for. Is where's What's the rhythm of this? Oh, if they come in talking fast, oh, that, and the other person's slow. You know, so you start to figure out different different rhythms like that. Totally, yeah. 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 I'm going to slap you back if you slap me. <laughs> make that clear to everybody. <laughs> but there's that character. Yep. Who would slap a, you back? Right. Uh, well, well, yes, yes. And then there's yes. a character so who, who would think about who it. Who take it and go, what? You slap, you know, because right. that look at the face. Yeah, right. Right. just didn't know how to react. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I, I, which is evil stuff. Well, I mean, yes, the thing I think is so interesting about writing is that you're right. You are acting it out. You have to act it out, you know. I mean, uh, saying this, there was some, you know, I put together this, this uh, I have this Pinterest page of like, uh, director quotes. It's just I don't know, maybe like two hundred on there from these guys, you know, like famous guys, and all the, like from the twenties up to now. And um, William Wyler, that's who it is. William Wyler, who's pretty famous for um, that uh, Roman Holiday and things like that. And he was saying that any writer who is worth his salt and has done the work can direct the, the screenplay because you know. What? Because you know, I I think there might be something in that. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, well, it's if you want to direct. Maybe right. you don't have the. Maybe that's not your thing. But if you want to direct, it's like because you know from what you guys are talking about, it's like like you've done the rhythm work and you mm-hmm. know how the scene is supposed to play. You've already blocked it. You blocked it on the page anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, right. you're like, oh, you know, he could turn around and right. swing right now. It's just gonna happen. I so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I I think that's an interesting thing that oh, I. You know, it's one of the things that I've done a lot as mm-hmm. I've done it recently, but I've, done, I've taken a lot of acting classes. Mm-hmm. I think it just helps on every aspect, at, like in this part of the business. If you want to be a writer, you want to be a director, um, because you want to know those things and, and, and be experienced with how that other part of the craft works, because a lot of times um, I don't, you know, there's, there's always this talk that's. You know, from you hear a lot from writers saying, like, "Oh, well, the director like ruined the movie, the director <laughs> things like that." And it's kind of like you have to give it over to them. Right. You know, this is thing that this is thing that uh, that Virgil was saying about. It's the reason why they do the tone meetings in television. Right. It's like there's that moment where you got to give it to them and let them run with it because that's their uh, that's their part of the chain. You know, to get it done. And I just think to be as comfortable as possible with it and to know what's going to like, like play well coming out of people's mouths mm-hmm. is important to be able to be, I mean, to have the skill that you have, to be acting, to know what this is. To, because that's the thing that happens a lot 
when you do like a, like a first pass on dialogue, you kind of realize you've written too much. Mm-hmm. You and then you gotta like, and I think you're just trying to get it out. But to but to have the ear to know what it is is a key thing because you know there's there's a whole thing that that um, executives do. They don't read the action. They just read the dialogue. They don't necessarily care. And I think that's um, um, it's sad in a way because because they're missing maybe key things that happen. In this maybe key things. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're missing, they're missing tone, they're missing... I, mean, I know, they're missing a lot. All kinds but, of stuff, really. but, but I see, you know, but I, I think, to me, like, that's... It's interesting that you're, you're also aware of that, 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 this, that structure's not your thing. I think that's where a lot of people... That's why you have a good writing partner. Your writing partner mm-hmm. should be strong with the thing you're weak. Yep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Right. It makes yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's so much easier to write with Chuck than it is for me to... That's the other thing, in terms of motivation, is it's so much easier for me to write when Chuck's there... And we're together, and we're keeping each other accountable. And we definitely like talk about a bunch of other shit too that we're, we should, probably should not be wasting time with. But we always say, "Well, that's part of the process. It's part it of the is. process of, of our writers' room an hour before we even get started. Yeah, we're yeah. just okay. yapping about shit, the news and Trump, and I mean, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. It makes a difference, right. but it really it, it's it's so much for me. It's so much easier to write mm. when there's two brains than when there's just right. me by myself trying to find motivation, being like, "Ah, oh, now what do I do?" And then getting stuck because when I get stuck with him. We work through it together, and we're figuring it out together. When I'm stuck on my own, it's it's harder to it's one brain, you know. <laughs> yeah. Research helps me. Like I was telling him offline that um, um, I might get to write one of these cool scenes, right? And so I'm not going to go into detail. And so, um, um, so I'm like online, like looking at different things to inspire me, and going just picking little. Nuggets going, oh, that moment right there. What if the character, oh, you know what I mean? It just kind of sparks you. Mm-hmm. So it, we, we talk a lot about how we don't believe in writer's block. <clears throat> like, I just don't think there's any such thing of it. Mm-hmm. I just think you're not working on enough things. Mm-hmm. If you were working on more things, you'd just move on to the next thing. Oh. You know, instead of stopping on the thing you can't continue on. You know, So for me, when I'm in here and I just go blank, I immediately go to research. So research is my way of moving on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'll spend another 20 minutes reading a chapter of some book or whatever it is just to go, oh, okay, God, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I think also, like, for me, brainstorming is just, I, and writing it down instead of being on the computer. Mm-hmm. I think once I get, when I do get stuck, a lot of times I'll just take out my notebook mm-hmm. and just start writing things down. Mm-hmm. And somehow doing it by hand Simulate something else in my brain where yeah, that's other what you say. You know, you up. like to write it. I always the first draft for me. I'm like the worst with this. I'll be in the. I'm in bed, <laughs> and I have like a yellow pad, and I'm writing, or or I have a I have a, this notebook here. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just like, because you know the you know I'm sitting there. Sometimes I'll wake up and I'm listening to the radio, and I'm like. Someone says something really cool. That's a cool line. That's a cool mm-hmm. turn of a phrase. Right. And I'll write it down. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it's in, because of the way you are when you're working on something, you're, I think you're subconsciously thinking about a problem that you got to address mm-hmm. all the time. Right. And then when you hear something, that's kind of like that little bit of a, here's the salt on that. And then it tastes a little better. And you're like, so now I can just start like like writing it out, and that's also and the reason why I write on paper is that I don't ever like scratch anything out. I don't delete anything. I just uh, 
next line and just keep writing. And then, because that it's all still there. And then when I'm done, I'm like, oh, maybe I said it better here. Maybe yeah, you I can go back. I can go back and see. Right. And then if you're typing, it's all not that's permanently gone. deleted, you, right? You know, that's or, a good point. Yeah, and I just and then the come back and then you know and then the margins get all crazy right, and it's right. just I'm like where was that line that I said this right um, because you, you go through and you start playing it back and then you start acting in your head and you're like oh no I should have said this instead mm-hmm. and then you kind of like and then for me like I'm like searching through it in the in the in the reams of paper right, and then right. I find it and then I was, um, then from there I type it up in, I'm, and I'm still not in final draft yet. And then I'm, I type it up like in outline form or whatever. The outline, mm-hmm. or I use that the markup, the fountain thing, where mm-hmm. the you know uh, you know just you probably don't know this. Like uh, John August says, he he mentioned this thing that he uses called fountain, which is you just type on a text document, mm-hmm. and then you put like a period in front of the interior exterior, an exclamation point in front of the action, and an at symbol in front of someone talking. And then you just like type that way, and you just type down the page, and it's and, and and then you take it and cut it out, and then you paste it into Final Draft, and it formats it. Oh, it reads all that. Yeah, it reads all. Oh that, wow. You know, um, and he was talking about that one time, and I was like, how does that make sense? Yeah. And then I went and looked on the page. There's a, a web page on he says on, on the on his on his site somewhere, and I was like, oh. That's interesting. You just do that, and then you're never worrying about um, formatting. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times the formatting messes with people. Mm. You know, like, like oh, another line. It's going to go jump to the next line. Right, and, right, right, like right. That. and it's like, and that's bothering mm. you. It's nagging at you at a point when you shouldn't be nagging mm-hmm. at you. Like, that's like that final that's polish. That's a really good point. Thing, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a really good but point. But when you see it the first time, like, oh, no, I want this to be, this got to be yeah. one line, damn yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You can, then you start... Right. Working with it in a way that maybe you shouldn't at that I time. I definitely have that problem. Oh, I know. I, I like it to look pretty I on the page. I want it to be perfectly it's right. Pretty. You know, it's yeah. pretty. But mm. there's the time to make it look pretty, right. not when you're that that when you that when you're creating. You right. know, um, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It's always I I, I, I don't know. It's the, the process is always a thing for me, um, and I'm always trying to like find. I'm not worse with this. I'm always trying to experiment with different processes mm-hmm. because I think sometimes I find with different projects I want to do different things and, and, and like I want to say different things. So I'm just trying to find different ways to kind of like focus my brain, you mm-hmm. know? Because I think what you're saying too is about the writer's block. I don't necessarily believe in it either because if I know my story, I can't figure out like say scene twenty, mm. but I know scene thirty through thirty-five. I'm gonna go right there. Why can't you continue? Most yeah. people like think you have to stay in order. It's like yeah. it's a puzzle. Just take that and move that yeah. over there, and yeah. it'll just, all come together just, eventually. Yeah, you know? and, 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 and you find out later on that you right. didn't need scene thirty. Right. So what? It's later on. Right. You know? Go ahead and write that favorite scene that you yeah. want. Do that That's first. True. You know, it'll, yeah. it'll spark you. It'll get you going. You know. Yeah. So. The problem that I think most people have is they come back tomorrow after they've written five pages today or, or 20 pages in the last week, and they come back tomorrow and they start back on page one. one yeah. You need to start back the scene before. Mm-hmm. Just see the rhythm and then you keep, because people, you go all the way back and you'll spend all day fixing. You know I've definitely I mean? gotten into that hole right. before, and I'm it's like, a, I don't know. It, it's, it's, yeah, it is a crutch, right. and it's also a waste of time because you're probably going right. to, once you have the whole thing done, you're probably going to go change that. It, you it should. It forms everything else. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, yeah. 
That's what's up. And you got any questions for my girl while she's on? Mm. <laughs> my question is for like for me, like being the second year PA and want to bump up and move up. Um, I keep hearing from the support staff at my show, you need to create heat. You need to create traction. You need to create a buzz around you. So <laughs> you could definitely relate yeah, to that. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, for me, coming into the industry on the production side, I didn't have any help. I hit the streets of New York, passed out my resume, then I called the top three studio lots and cold called all the movies and the shows on the lot, and that's how I got power. So, how, I love come, those stories. Know, yeah, coming great. here is like tenacity. Courtney mm-hmm. gave me the job, and I only knew the writers of my show and didn't know the protocol of the room, didn't know the archie and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And then just observing the room by myself, and I'm at the ground by myself. I don't have anybody out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the writer's assistant, you can't. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm friends with the writer's assistant mm-hmm. and, all the, and all the support staff, but being out in the industry, yeah. I see a lot. I see that actually the assistant knows everybody, it seems like. But right. me, I'm like, dang, it's like, how do I get traction going? Do I need to be, I mean, I know I have to be creative, and there is a pilot that one of my director friends back east said, you know, we should shoot this pilot. Mm-hmm. But I was like, how does somebody with no clout like that really create a buzz and heat around him or her, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it, the whole networking side of things can be really um, hit or miss a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always say, like, or my husband always says, like, you're planting seeds everywhere. You know, some of those are going to grow. Most of those are not going to grow. Mm-hmm. But you won't know <laughs> until you've tried to plant those seeds mm-hmm. so and creating the buzz i mean that's just kind of it's annoying mm-hmm. because there that is kind of what's always going like use your social media and right. you know and that's effort and that's time and you got to think about like oh is this gonna look okay is this gonna be bad are people gonna hate me for saying this and so i actually don't go on to, <laughs> i have a private twitter so i can say whatever the hell i want <laughs> um but with my instagram i definitely use that as a, a tool and also with Instagram now, with videos, you can put things out there. Yeah. I think I think no matter what, it's a good idea to create things on your own on the side, even if you're staffed somewhere, even if you're acting on a show somewhere. Mm-hmm. At least for me, especially, I found that even if I'm I am you know working on something, it, I still feel a little bit more fulfilled when I'm working on whatever it is that I mm-hmm. want to work on mm-hmm. um, that I've created. So I think doing, you know, shooting your own thing would be cool and keep continuing to write your own stuff on the side would be cool. And going out, when I was in New York, uh, again, my friend Kalia, she was like, I go on, she said one meeting a week, one drink meeting a week. It was more like five. Like mm-hmm. when, I, when, it got, when we got down to it and I, every time I would talk to her, she'd be like, oh, I have another meeting. She was constantly going out of work. And that's mm-hmm. exhausting. Yeah, yeah, it is totally. very yeah. exhausting. But what I was doing when I was in New York was going out to like whatever, like whatever event I could, reaching out to the director, reaching out to the writer, having a, a you know, sit down coffee with them. I haven't been as good about that here because it's so tiring. But maintaining those contacts mm-hmm. so ha- you know doing the, the the kind of necessary 
work that you need to do in terms of networking, but then also not making networking the, the main gateway right. into whatever mm-hmm. it is. I think the main gateway is going to be you showing what you can do mm-hmm. uh, and, and putting that out there and not being afraid, not being shy to put it out there, right. not worrying about whatever, right. you know. I was just going to say, I think, I think your friend is right on the money. You know, Kat is doing exactly... That's how I started my company. I was like, I'm not waiting for Hollywood anymore. I started with my own little short. Six months later, it got critically, critically acclaimed. And I was like, okay. And then people started going, hey, will you produce mine? Hey, will you produce mine? And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just kept yeah. growing and learning and growing and learning. And then they mm-hmm. kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, is your job. You need to say yes to everything. Got it. In essence, you know, you say yes to how many things do we say yes to, Chris? Oh, uh, I mean, well, sometimes <laughs> you know what you mean? have to really. But you grow and you it's, learn some shit from yeah. it. You know, you do. As say an yes, actor, yeah. starting out as an actor, I did say yes to everything. You, you, right. you, well, I definitely, yeah. because I think as an actor, what you, the reason why you want to say yes to so much is you need to be able to, like, know when someone is fucking up and, <laughs> and when true. someone's not. Because right. the thing is, is that. You haven't done it enough to know. Yep. And when you get on the set and like the people aren't prepared, and it, I mean, you don't know if they're not prepared. Mm-hmm. Right. You've never done it. But then you go on a set and someone's like, all this, they got fucking storyboards posted for everyone yeah. to see, and it's all fucking, you know, you know and you fucking color with gouache, and you're like, well, right. these motherfuckers, what, what are they doing? Right. I, I, I want to know what that's about. You yeah. know, I remember I, I had, you know, I had done some shorts. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay, that, you know, you get a rhythm and the call sheets and everything like that. And then I was working with someone and we went on, um, we went on this Coen Brothers movie. He, was, he got me on a Coen Brothers film. And, uh, and, I'm, and uh, I'm talking with the first AD and he's got the whole schedule kind of like shrunk down on the, I mean, which is commonplace now, but like, it's like 15 years ago when I was like, Oh, that's actually cool because then he's able to keep it there. Mm-hmm. And the director had, you know, like the day he was going to shot this, mm-hmm. and in the back he had his shot list. And it was like he was like he used, you know, this is what, you know, like he he took everything and like compressed it down to like a five and a half by eight sheet of paper. So he had the call sheet, right. he had his storyboards, he had his shot list, all on like dual side thing. And I was like, that's. Someone who's prepared, and right. I'd never seen someone do that. But I was like, I'm gonna do that, and, and going forward on right. stuff because. The, but but you wouldn't know that if you start working on films and you go, well, well people don't do that. People just people think that they can just mm-hmm. keep it in their head. And mm-hmm. they, no, no, no. One, I mean, some directors who've done a lot of TV can keep it in their head, but mm-hmm. you got to know the list. Right. You know, um, I would say this too is. I would say if somebody is saying let's shoot it, and you know they have the the um, uh, what's the word I want to use? The resources. they have the equipment, they have whatever it is you need. The, the what you say? Resources. The resources. Sorry, mm-hmm. they have the resources to help you make it, mm-hmm. and you guys could do it on a budget. And somehow, you know, I always tell everybody. Most people think, and I bet you this is something you figured out, which is why you're able to shoot things. What are the resources that I have that I can write within the world? Right? You're going. Wait a minute. Now, you had that whole area where all you guys are sitting around the table, mm-hmm. all your characters, it's like, I need a big-ass table mm-hmm. that looks like, et cetera. Yep. Oh, my husband has an office that, yet I wonder if they'll let me use it for like four hours. You start using your resources. Now, you go back home, I guarantee you, you have more resources than you have here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, your homeboy is back home, 
it's got the cameras, got the equipment. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I had this other scene that took place here, that took place there. Maybe if we condensed it and it all took place in this thing, you just start simplifying things. Yep. But, yeah, that's important, simplifying. <clears throat> exactly. Really, because if you don't have the budget, and the budget is not just to shoot it, you got to have contingency in your budget. Shit <laughs> <laughs> happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I this to my brother yesterday. We, I was with him and his girlfriend, and she's asking me, like, I'm, you, you took a long time off between projects. And I was like, because well, the project I did before that, like nine years ago, it was so much money, and a lot of it was wasted because of some things that happened that could not be foreseen. Like, we right. were shooting at this studio downtown on a Sunday and, and, and it was all kind of figured out like a month in advance we're going to do this day and when we get there with our little you know like half ton truck to this lot and the lot is full oh really full with like other know, people shooting with like two other like truck like two other major like the full ton trucks and we were like what the fuck is this wow. what, the, what, what, what what's going on and then it's like they were doing like some pickup shots from Mission Impossible Three, you know, and we were like some little movie, right? And, and we were like, well, "What the fuck? What do we do now?" Right. Like, and you know, they were like, "Oh, you can still shoot. They're not using a whole studio." I was like, "But, I mean, you know." And then we were like shooting places like, "Oh, you gotta hurry because you got an hour because he's gonna be here. And they're, they're gonna they could be in this place in an hour." Wow. They, they kept they, they were kind of like bullying us through the studio, <laughs> and I was like, I was telling, I was like, "Yeah." At the end of the day, I was like. We should have just canceled that day, yeah. but we didn't have the money right. to cancel that day. Right. And and the big thing was because we were trying to do some shit that was like big, right. you know, big ass chasing, all those kind of shit. And it was like should have done it. There's um, there's a right. there's a lesson in that though that that you which is where I think you're leaning on to yeah. now, and I know you can relate to it too. Sometimes you have to fucking cancel it, and sometimes you have to lose that DP that you really wanted because now he's gonna be busy. But what I have found, even on my first movie that I did, we had to cancel it. My ego was in a way. My ego was saying, no, you can't fucking cancel it. Now you're going to look like you didn't know what the fuck you were doing. Mm-hmm. And then my ego went, yeah, but you need to do it. You need to push. And a month got pushed. I thought it was going to be like a week. A month got pushed. And then guess what happened? Don, my friend, who had the big warehouse where I was going to pay ten grand to be there, was like, you know what? It was my fault. I'm going to give it to you for free. Matter of fact, I'm gonna send my trucker to go get the subway train and bring it over. You know what I mean? If I didn't have did that, it wouldn't have happened. Right. So now I know. You see me every time I'm I'm calm as fuck when I'm producing. I'm like, don't even worry about it. We are gonna end up with the right shit in mm-hmm. the end. Well, it, you know, you know what? Yeah. That's the main thing that um, that's that's the main reason why we talked to you um about coming to Architects. Mm-hmm. I saw some things. That was the, the 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 pattern of the previous film. So they're like showing up. I said no. <laughs> <laughs> this was in prep. I was like no. I'm gonna bring on someone else who I feel really comfortable with. Right. Because I I can't have that happen again. Um. And it turned out great. And yeah, ultimately really it was, was the was the best decision. It pushed. It did push the shoot a little bit right. because it was like we gotta bring we gotta bring Hilliard on and like get everything up to speed and everything like that. But but I knew. That's what you got to do. And, right. and it's all about, you do that because no one wants to read anything in this town, but they'll watch a video. Yep. That's what I was getting to. Yep. Mm-hmm. They'll watch Fuck the Hollywood. Video. Make the project. Right. If it's good, yep. you send it to your friends. You, now you got new friends in here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You send it to us and we go, shit, hey, you need to watch this. Mm-hmm. 
even with you know the thing I mean? that I'm <clears throat> developing with Refinery29 right now, mm-hmm. I, I wrote the pilot, they liked it, they read it. And what they want to do now before we take it out to pitch is to shoot a 20-minute version of the pilot. Yeah. So we Proof of concept. A, yeah, proof of concept, 20-minute yeah. mm-hmm. proof of concept. And it's, it, it's basically a shortened version of the pilot. Right. Um, but like, we were all super excited about that because we're like, no, yes, this is great because you can't, sometimes executives don't understand a voice when it's on paper, right. but when they see it and if it's a, enough... Especially comedy. I mean, it's hard comedy. to get oh, that. Oh, for right. sure, especially right. comedy. I cannot right. tell you how many ridiculous notes we got mm-hmm. where they're like, what is this? And like, well, that's a joke. Like, well, you should write that it's a joke. Wow. Like, why would I ever write right. this is a joke before a joke? That's the dumbest <laughs> shit I've ever heard. I, we literally got a, a note like that one time. But, but yeah, when you have that video, mm-hmm. then people get it. They either get it or they don't. That's right. what it is. It's like they either understand or they don't. But it is important to have. Right. And you'll, you'll feel good about having made something. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's the other You don't have to shoot the entire pilot. You could either mm-hmm. shoot the entire pilot if you can make it work. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you shoot a 10-minute proof. You know, just to show people, here's what I have. You fucking get it out to all your friends. All the people on your show, all the EPs, let them see what you're doing. Be like, I'm not just in here getting y'all coffee. Right, yeah. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> I'm not just going to get lunch. I know how to do this, too. And see, mm-hmm. that's, you the, know? that's the heat, mm-hmm. essentially, because if you make it and it's, say it's halfway good, yeah. and, they, and, you, and you send it to the 10, to 10 top, you know, the, the, the people at the, the production company, the network, and the top, you know, the top EPs on the show, they're all going to be talking about it. Hey, did you see his short? That's the heat, and you've generated. And you've It'd be cool to have a screening too. Yeah. If you could have like a screening, I think that's if you, because then you can shame people into whether or not they're going to see it. Because you can send a link, they might not watch it. But mm-hmm. if you're like, hey, I'm going right. to have this screening. Can you come? I'm have five screenings. Which one can you come to? Right. And um, eventually, you know, people are going to. Got it. Show up. Yeah, because yeah. be your own boss. Right. Yeah, you <laughs> got to be. Thing. And because no one likes to read. I don't. I don't understand it. I was uh, I was telling um, the um, the 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 assistant, the writer's assistant, and the um, the writer's PA. Like on Friday, we just were all sitting around talking after we'd wrapped, and we were just yapping. And they were they were saying, "Oh, we were looking you up on IMDb. You've done a lot of things, and yada yada yada, and this and this." And then and I said, "They're like, well, you know, now you're working on the show." And I was like, "Well, you know, I've been. If you look at my resume, most of that shit you haven't heard of." I've been working outside the system for years, you know, doing rewrites on scripts and, you know, pitching and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, it was just time to get in for me. It was time for me to just stop. You know, we've been talking about it for years. It's just time for me to stop. I needed, I needed to go up another step. Mm-hmm. If that, if I needed to get in. You know what I mean? I already have the experience. I have to produce and to write and all that. I've won awards, all that shit. But now it was time to push forward and get into mm-hmm. the real system and just let it go. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, yeah, I'm willing to just come in on staff. You know, work my way up. Whatever it is. I still got my other show. I got a movie yeah. that's casting right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's really just about, about me getting in one way, yep. focusing on that thing while the other thing continues. Yeah. It doesn't slow that down. And that's the beauty of it is that you right. can have the other thing that continues. You mm-hmm. can be in the system, do the system, whatever, whatever right. you know, make your money, do what right. you have to do, right. and at the same time have the fulfillment of of putting your own voice and your own mark on whatever right. it is that you want to do. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't stop you. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of writers don't know, but you can ask for a non-exclusive, mm-hmm. you know, so that you can still, especially, they won't really give it for you for TV, but film, I already, and luckily I already had the movie was starting to cast the next week. So we had the proof of that. So there were, like, there were things that I could use as advantage of my agents to be able to say, 
we can't do you know the fullest good so you can mm-hmm. ask for things if you want mm-hmm. you know it's just a matter of making sure you have something to back that up right you know what i mean yeah so. because um you know it's like if you ever look on imdb pro and you look on and just take an actor or writer i mean or director you know <laughs> someone and it's like they got a, they're attached to a lot of shit mm-hmm. because they don't know it's kind of like a What's your career or what's the project? I think so many writers are just worrying about the project they're trying to do. Right. And the career is how much shit is going. You know? So, I mean, I remember looking at this thing one time with, like, uh, with like Billy Ray. Mm-hmm. He's got, like, you know, five or six projects that he's a, he's a writer on. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, you know... Six things in it, development. In development. <laughs> right. You're like, okay, what's... He, you know, and, it's, and then, you know, like, his last movie was The Secret in Your Eyes, mm-hmm. but he just now, like, did the, the, a rewrite on this movie that's kicking off that, uh, um, I think Alfonso Caron... Not Alfonso Caron. I think Ang Lee's directing the movie. That he, mm-hmm. that, that, it's, it's not his original script, and he wasn't the first writer on a project, but he came in and, like, did the draft to get it going. Right. But he does all the stuff that he's doing, too, and it's like, that's why he's got a career, you know, because he's not just worrying about the one thing. Right. And it's tricky when you're, when you're starting off because you just got to get the one thing going. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, and, you, and I'm not advocating, you know, like doing nine things at once and, like, and, and not doing them all well. But you know that it's like, you know, like right now, like I had a script that I, some people were reading a feature and I needed to get notes on it. And doing, the, and doing each time I was waiting to get notes on it, I was working on that Daredevil spec. And then when I got the, you know, that done and, was, and then was doing the notes on the feature, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then, my, and then I was like, at the end of the day, I'll spend an hour doing my notes on the Daredevil spec. And then when those two things were kind of like at a certain point, I was like, oh, I have that TV thing that I have to do the dialogue polish on. And it was because it's like, because when, when you're always waiting for right. shit. Always. And when you're waiting... Mm-hmm. You know, that downtime can kill you mm-hmm. because you're just so like, when are they going to read? When are they going to come back to the answer? When are they going to come back to the answer? You know, they don't respond to the email. And that just fucks with you. And, you. and to me, I don't get fucked with because I'm like, I got the other project. Where's that folder that I can start working on that? And here's this artwork for this comic that I really want to work on. And it's just, I, I can work on this because that's the only, because so many things that, so many things you're told no to. <laughs> That if you put all your eggs in one basket and then they say no, well then you got to start momentum again on something new and right. you start from scratch on that momentum, and that's like hard to do once someone's told you no on something that you really believe in. I have one last question for you, Cap. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this ties into what he's talking about right here. That short you did, the brain of terror, brain of terror. I bet people didn't want you to make it. Like people were like, "Why are you doing that?" I, you know, I actually didn't tell a lot of people that. Okay, but it sounds like, just hear me out. Yeah. It sounds like one of those type of projects, because it's out there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that's why people are reading or watching it, right? It's one of those projects, and Chris and I talk about it all the time, where every, we've interviewed hundreds of people in this show, every time they broke in with something somebody told them not to do. Not, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's my yeah. gift to you. Yeah. Find that project that's deep in your head, whether it's just a small thing back at home in, 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 in New York, whatever the fuck the story is, don't be writing toward Hollywood. You know, mm-hmm. write that For story yeah. that's unique and a little bit different, even if it's not a big, every, it doesn't relate to everybody else. 
That's I, so people. Go I, I will say that I when I did mention I, I when I gave the concept to people, it wasn't like people were like, "Don't do it," but there were a lot of people like, oh, "Okay." It was a lot of like, "Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know." It, there was there, there wasn't excitement behind it. There yeah. might have been one or two people that were like, "No, that's a really good idea. Definitely do that." But most people just couldn't. It wasn't they couldn't conceptualize it. it. Yeah, it was just it. like, "All right, sure." There's a roundtable discussion. Of, okay, mm-hmm. I think I've seen something like that before, and I, I could tell there was like no joy in their mm-hmm. reaction. And I was like, "All right, well, I'm but gonna it didn't make stop it." Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Right. It didn't stop me. Right. So it's like you got to again believe in your own vision, your right. own whatever, and then just move forth with it. Because yeah, yeah. they couldn't, they couldn't conceive it. Yeah. And they don't know what your depth of talent is. So when you say, "Oh, I'm gonna play eight people," mm-hmm. they're like, in their own head, they're like. No one plays eight people. <laughs> How are you going to shoot it? You're not Eddie <laughs> right. Murphy. Yeah. Well, you know who the hell you think you are. <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kat. Thank you. Thank for you me, for thank sitting you. in yeah. with us, Marius. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Good. Get that game. Where are you at, Kat? Can people follow you? Um, I am at Catherine Kavari on Instagram. It's spelled Catherine because my dad didn't know how to spell Catherine when I was born. <laughs> um, Kavari, K-H-A-V-A-R-I. I have website, CatherineKavari.com. Um, I'm going to be releasing a podcast soon. It's going to be cool. called Strongly Worded. Uh, what are you going to be talking about? We read aloud strongly worded uh, written exchanges that people mm-hmm. have had with other people, whether awesome. it's a company or mm-hmm. so we bring on guests and we just have fun with their strongly worded exchanges that's that different. usually are ridiculous. Good. Yeah. True. So that's hopefully coming out next month. Awesome. And um, yeah, just uh, Instagram is probably <clears throat> where okay. I'm most Wh- active. Where are you at, Maurice? Uh, Instagram is Maurice underscore Frazier, Frazier with a Z, F R A Z I E R. Uh, Twitter is Frazier Script 84. Frazier Script 84. Year you was born? Yeah, which is a young self. <laughs> Where you at, Chris? Uh, Instagram and Twitter at um, unauthorized CBD, and then at um, DerekBrothers.com. When the hell are we coming out with these shirts? <laughs> this week. <laughs> you know, y'all don't even know. We've been talking about I've this since December. I've been shirts. I had the lawsuit. I had all okay. sorts of shit. This has not been a good year <laughs> for me. And you know, my mom's been you. sick. I mean, it's just been. I don't even know how I'm surviving. (laughs) See, you know what? If I was white, I'd be in opioids right now. (laughs) It's true. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Hilliard Guest. I say Twitter like I'm cool. Um, You guys can follow me, uh, follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Um, You can follow us on Facebook also, um, Instagram, all that shit. <laughs> uh, big shout out to all the countries that are following us. We appreciate y'all. Um, any questions, please send them in. Um, we got to do another Q&A episode soon. Oh, people are asking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got to do it. Um, you got to do those. Um, okay, cool. And we're going to come out with a goddamn Patreon in the this, next... Look, I mean, look, this week... Before the summer's over, damn. Let's go say that. Look, look, this week, the shirts, the Queens and Cinema shirts, they're all coming out this okay, week. Okay, cool. This, well, when this drops. Well, I have to have little Miss Muffet over here modeling with a little cute self. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. See, that's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's up? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> so everybody joining me, y'all know how we do it on the show. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. Keep it what, everybody? Wakanda. Wakanda. Peace, y'all. I'ma say what I feel. 
And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd Has got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Red Room. Red Room. Red Room.